Sam Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I hate traditional Christmas colours. This is Emsolation. And if we are both ever both nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars and then I win, <laughs> you will stand in the audience and scream, oh. He doesn't! He doesn't have, have kids! kids. Oh, I don't necessarily want a macrame vagina life-size hanging on my wall. You're in Emsolation. Dildos and dead people. Hello. Welcome to Emsolation. I'll be your hostess. For the remainder of the time I'm in your ears, my name is M. Rossiano. Welcome to the inner sanctum. Welcome to my mind. Welcome to my heart. Welcome to my soul. My best friend will be joining us shortly also, as you know, Michael Lucas. Just in case this is your first time. I mean, where the hell have you been? But I know sometimes people just chuck it on to see what we're about. So I wanted to give you a calm and soothing welcome to the show. I'm also feeling quite zen because I spent the weekend in Dalesford. Now, for those of you who don't know, Dalesford is kind of a country town. It's about 90 minutes, yeah, 90 minutes out of Melbourne. It's known as the wellness capital. It's where all the, the day spas are, the Hepburn Springs, the mineral spas. There's a lot of places to be going to be kind of, you know, unwinding and relaxing. I mean, I didn't do any of that, of course, because I was there with the entire family. Uh, and I don't know, for those of you who have toddlers, I'd forgotten the shit fight holidays are. It's not a holiday, is it? It's just picking up your life and plopping it down in someone else's house. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, this is my first experience with a toddler boy. And I don't like to fall into gender stereotypes. You know that. Elio wears all colours. Elio is exposed to Disney. Elio, like There is to be no traditional male-female stereotypes around my son. He's to just decide who he is in his own good time. And then when everyone was saying to me, oh, and boys, boy toddlers, whoo, boys, little boys, you don't know what you got coming. I'm like, oh, shut up. He'll be perfectly fine. His sisters were, you know, able to go to cafes. His sisters were able to go on holidays and, and on planes. They were amazing. They would sit. They would colour. They would chat to people around them. They were totally delightful. And Elio would be the same. Holy shit. He's not. And I'm not falling into gender stereotypes. Oh, my God, boys are so much work. I mean – Girls are work too, but, but little boys, you've got to be vigilant. You've got to be on your, you cannot for one second let your guard down because if you turn your back, the amount of damage they can do in a 15-second period, it is. Well, look, it's quite impressive if you didn't have to clean it up. Holy shit. Why didn't anyone tell me? And I'm always like, I always like thumbed my nose. I was like, whatever. When people said, I really resented people telling me, boys, boys. Like, that's just because that's how boys have been conditioned to think they have to be. <laughs> They're fucking psycho little whirlwinds. He's so cute. I love him. He's just into everything. Everything has to be unpacked, explored, licked, thrown across the room, hugged, shoved in places it should never be shoved. <laughs> and I'm learning. Being And I hate this. I, I, I've always been a girl mum. Now I am both. I am now officially a boy mum. And I am strapping in. I'm strapping on. I'm strapping in because I feel like it's we're just taking off. He's nearly two. I feel like we're just in first gear. I think cafes are a thing of the past. I think peaceful family holidays are a thing of the past. We've got to throw ourselves in. We've got to go on safaris. We've got to go rock climbing. We've got to just keep this kid moving at all times so he's exhausted. That's okay. It's just a different mindset. So Dale said, it's probably not the place to take you to your old son. That's okay. We still had a wonderful time and it is the wellness capital. And let me tell you, like my favourite part about Dalesford, what I learned is the gaggles of immaculately dressed gay men that wander around. That's a collective noun for a gay men, gaggle. I don't know what you'd call them. What's a collective noun for immaculate gay men? Heaven. 
and I'd smell them before I'd see them. And it was just, I would stand and just smile at them, hoping that they could look into my eyes and see that, you know, I'm in, I love you. I love you guys. There was a group, one had an amazing leopard coat on because it was quite cold. He looked fabulous. Oh God, I saw one man in a turban. Oh, it was heaven. And there's a lot of like large groups of middle-aged women clearly on a weekend away enjoying the wineries. There's so many shops with very expensive scented candles. It's just like the roses, everyone's rose gardens are blooming. It's such a lovely place to go and stay. Just don't take a two-year-old. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling zen, although <laughs> at the same time just laughing. The shit fight it was. Scott and I looked at each other at one point and both said, without rehearsing at the same time, fuck this. We nearly left. And I'm glad we didn't. Like we stuck it out and then we had a beautiful Sunday because, you know, everyone just calmed down. We just got calibrated. But Jesus Christ. Little boys, hey, it's fine. It's going to be great. All right. Well, that's enough for me. Shall I let you know that's what's going on? Oh, you know what else I wanted to tell you? I have been watching Big Mouth on Netflix. Now, If you have not watched Big Mouth, it's a cartoon. It's made by a bunch of very well-known US comedians. It's, I have to say, the freshest, funniest, most disgusting, confronting thing I've ever watched. I love it. It makes me laugh out loud. It makes me clutch my pearls. I'm nodding my head in agreement. It is confronting. Look, I would say if you like my style of humour, if you've seen me live and you find the things that I talk about funny, then you'll like this show. It goes there. It is basically all these comedians are working through their high school trauma via this cartoon. And um, there's nothing they don't touch. I'm not joking. Periods, masturbation, pubic hair, love, consent, I feel weird about Marcella, my 19-year-old, watching it. Sometimes it's so full on. Me. I know. I've banned Odette. I said, can we just wait another year? So I just think, give it a go. If you haven't watched it, it's called Big Mouth. It's on Netflix. It's cartoon. The Hormone Monstrous is my hero, voiced by Maya Rudolph, who is my favourite SNL comedian. She's obviously a bridesmaid. She's incredible. She's from The Good Place. She plays the judge. The Hormone Monster, it's just it's phenomenal. If you're someone who's easily kind of grossed out, maybe don't watch it. So um, let me know how you go. It's a late night thing. When the kids are in bed, you've got your laptop in bed, you're having some quiet moments. Put on your headphones. Put in big mouth. It's so great. All right, that's enough. I thought, you'd need, I thought you needed a little recommendation. I'm going to bring in Michael. Poor darling. He's had a very stressful week. So we're going to – you'll notice I'm going to be a bit gentle with him today. He's a bit fragile. And that's not often I say that about him. It's only him saying that about me. But I'm good. I've had a weekend with a glamorous gaze in Dalsford with my son. I mean, I didn't talk to any. I, I wanted to I wanted to go up and go, can I please be your friend, especially the one in the leopard print coat because he was amazing. Um, so we're going to be gentle with Michael and I'll let him tell you what's been going on if he feels up to it. All right, darlings, play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. I mean, we're going to get you straight into it because I'm so, I've been waiting all day. We had to record later today because various clusterfucks in our lives. And I managed to fit in watching Mariah Carey's Christmas special, Michael Lucas. I don't. I mean, I just want to say majestical as fuck. (laughs) I just think, thank God we had to go later in the day so that you could, I mean, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this Christmas season or maybe even your entire life will be judged before and after you saw the Mariah Carey's Christmas special. 
My life is firmly divided into two places now, two sections, before I saw the Mariah Carey's Christmas special and after, and it's been a heady three hours. Well, also because we obviously went there with Dolly, and albeit that we had a fun time with it, I think it's fair Mm. to say we were not overwhelmed by Dolly. So because of that, I reset my bar with Mariah and thought it's probably going to be pretty mediocre, but that's okay with it. I can just, I'm just going to have my dose of Mariah, but then, but then. I was screeching. I was screeching at the telly. By the eighth costume change... I needed a nap. In a 42 <laughs> minutes, she got eight costume changes in. I, I just want to – okay. So basically the whole thing is that Christmas is really going to be shit this year because all our spirits are low because of corona. Although corona is never mentioned because the virus is to be nowhere near sweet angel Mariah Carey. There's That's to be right. no – disgusting coughing or any mention. It's just, everyone just keeps saying it's been a really hard year. It's been a really hard year. Spirits are low. And Billy- when we say everyone, we mean, of course, the cavalcade of celebrity appearances oh, that they bring oh on. God. Bette Midler says it. Bette Midler says it. Yes. Heidi Klum says it. Millie Bobby Brown says it. Of course, mm. Eleven from Stranger Things. Billy Eichner is uh, Santa's secretary. Important note, Michael, though. We never see Santa because this is Mariah's show. And she will not be upstaged by some fat white guy. Snoop comes out looking like like a psychedelic crazed mall Santa at one point, Snoop Dogg. But he's not – like he's just being Snoop in a Santa costume. He's not playing Santa. So I loved that part, that we never actually see the big guy because it's all about Mariah. And Billy the elf is kind of testing the waters to see how everyone's feeling. He calls into bet, you know, obviously. Everyone's feeling shit. So he has to break out – the um, the red crystal iPhone, which is very clearly an ad for Apple. It's on Apple TV. Great cross promotion. It's a red bedazzled iPhone. And um, I just have to say, Mariah Carey holding an iPhone is my new sexual orientation. It made me wonder if she's ever even answered a mobile phone in her life, and I hope she hasn't. I doubt it. <laughs> Wait, she was holding it. She it employs was- people for that. <laughs> I genuinely don't think she's ever held an iPhone. Go back and watch the minute she answers the call from Santa's secretary. It's like Chella said to me, what's wrong with her hand? I said, she's trying to imagine what it might be like to answer a phone, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And so where we see her fish in the spectacular red sparkly boiler soup, cinched to the gods. This woman's waist is as thin as her neck. I don't know what's going on. I'm still not convinced. The entire 42 minutes is her body CGI'd. I'm still not convinced it's her body. I don't care. I, I, well, I mean, we would have to note that there's a lot of CGI throughout the special <laughs> and one would think that perhaps some of that CGI budget has gone into the presentation of Mariah herself because, again, <sighs> this is a 50-year-old woman. She basically looks the same as she looked when she came out singing just... Dream Lover. I mean... <laughs> And what I love is there was no restraint. Like they've obviously sat in post and she's gone, smaller, smaller. (laughs) But Mariah, if you turn side on, you'll disappear. Smaller, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) No one has gone, babe, this is not what you look like on Instagram. Okay. This is, you're you're thinner than Ariana Grande. Smaller. I just. (laughs) But she, uh, and it's all very knowing. She comes on and she says something like mama needs a key light and. Oh, yeah, so her twins are there, Morocco and Munro, and there's a third child there, and I was really perplexed as to who the third child is. I still don't understand. Have you you solved that mystery? It's her. It represents (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it represents Mariah as a child. So at no point did she feel the need to explain that except for calling the kid Little Mimi. I did notice it was called Mimi. Okay. And that's her nickname, Mimi. Hardcore fans know. So when she was calling her Little Mimi, I said to Chella, I think that might be a representation of Mariah because it, uh, the twins weren't interacting with Little Mimi, which maybe that means she is a figment of Mariah's imagination, just like her waist size. Oh, and so, wow. There yeah. are layers to this that I really <laughs> didn't glean. And like young Mimi talks about, you know, oh, there isn't a Christmas tree my house and it's very sad where I am and I guess it's just Mariah's tip of her little sparkly cap to she had a quite a hard childhood and you can read about it in her autobiography. Well, we certainly can, The Meaning of Mariah. Exactly. Or you can listen about it in the audiobook, which is highly <laughs> That's recommended. Right. That's right. And obviously cleavage is back for Christmas. No one was worried about, I mean, the girls were... Ch- the, 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 They're incredible. Oh, mate, they were my favourite part. I mean, they were the stars beside Mariah. Yeah. Um, so, but I think the bit that caused me the most enjoyment was when she appeared in outfit number three, which was a, which was a short black number, and then she called for her backing vocalist, her backing vocalist, Jennifer Hudson and Ariana Grande. Of course, they were. <laughs> To BV. But crucially, she did not look a day older than Ariana Grande. No, and the same size. Those two could share dresses. And I just, she is the only person those two divas would BV for. Can you? And can you imagine explaining to Ariana and J-Hud's people, now M- Mariah's going to be out in front, you two will barely be in shot, uh, and when you, you sing, the camera will remain on Mariah, okay, just so we're all clear. <laughs> they did it. Totally they did, but I know how I would explain it. If I'm their agents, I would say, Mariah wants to release a Christmas single that she hopes will sell as much as All I Want for Christmas as you. If you sing on it, you'll get a cut of royalties for the rest of your life. Are you in? And if I were them, if I were any sentient human, I would say get your name on that recording somehow. No, I mean, I know Ariana's always looked up to Mariah, like always, and always been compared to Mariah, very similar kind of, and, and Ariana does the whistle tone also. They did do a whistle tone off. I think Mariah's whistle tone might have been CGI'd sonically, if that's oh, a thing. I have to say that I, as much as we question some aspects of her visage, her voice was in tremendously good form. I'm going to say suspiciously good form. You would be correct. And as a non-singer, I applaud you for picking that up <laughs> because as a singer, I'll tell you 100%, uh, when you hear Mariah's speaking voice, it's kind of like like it's this delightful, bougie, 69-year-old sea captain vibe. <laughs> so <laughs> it's hard to believe that could then transcend to the bell-like tones that we do hear from yeah. Mariah. It's a sea captain who's a couple of whiskies and a big, long cigar down too. Yeah, 10 packs a day. But she does do a whistle off with Ariana, which is amazing. And then uh, a ballerina appears, Sugar Plum Fairy, and Mariah's not in shot, but so you don't forget that it's Mariah's Christmas special. She whistle tones for two minutes straight along to the melody. That was extraordinary. (laughs) I just – the miming wasn't great. The miming, I have to say, they did have to cut to a lot of wide shots when Mariah was attempting to recreate her um, astonishing uh, licks and trills. But that's okay. But I feel like 
she's got to make a decision when she's miming because I'm sure if she actually went for the authentic thing, it would contort her face in ways that she doesn't like. So I think Mm -hmm. she's sort of got to choose a way of modulating her face to give you the look that she wants whilst also vaguely staying in time with the actual lyrics. And there's a trade-off and in this case the integrity of the lyrics had to be left aside. And I support that. Again, I support all these choices. The highlight though, the highlight. Wow, I'm surprised you can pick one. I'm yeah, intrigued. this is it for me. This was the, this was where I just I just looked at my daughter and I said, "This is why she's the queen." Whilst performing a stunning ballad in a dress uh, that had a train, a beautiful silver train, she, while singing, produced the single most delicate, stunning tear I have ever seen in my life. One beautiful moment. One singular, delicate tear snailed down her face as she sung and it needs to go down as the most goddamn beautiful tear in the history of everything ever and then the shot cut back to her, not not a trace of that tear, back to be stunning. The tear was terrified. It dropped off. It was gone. Her face just re-evaporated to smooth and flawless again. And if that tear was CGI'd, I support the 200000 it would have cost. Oh, <laughs> money well spent. One thing, I mean, 2020 has been, and by all accounts, a shit year, but mm. we'll always remember this oh as God. being the year when several divas were given seemingly unlimited money to make yep. every vision come true. We've yep. seen Beyonce's Black as King yep. and we've seen Rihanna's Fenty show and now we've got Mariah. And each of them, each of them were Dua so Lipa. purely of that yep. performer. Mm. Oh, what did Dua Lipa? Did she Dua do Lipa released thing? 2051. Yeah, she's done this whole big online concert, sold 5 million tickets at $52 a pop. You do the maths. Wow. Yeah, Kylie Minogue had hers too. Yeah, all oh, the but there, that was a live one. I mean, there's nothing live about. No, they were, no, they went live. They were no, Michael. Oh, they okay. were, they- <laughs> sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me no. for my blind faith. <laughs> I believed it. They were pre-recorded spectaculars played as live, but no, like people were all watching it at the same time. But the divas weren't performing it at that time. It had been gone through. Sure, I gotcha. I gotcha. Careful posts and. Auto tune and things like that, but I I have to tell you I'm giving this ten out of ten. I'm subtracting a point for peanuts because oh, yeah, she yeah, had to. There's what an animated that? sequence in there that's clearly um, because it's for Apple and Apple yeah. owns the rights to peanut like Charlie Brown and everything, mm. and they clearly said, "Can you involve the peanuts characters somehow?" So it goes to a full on animation, and uh, you can just skip that bit. I hated it. I mean, I was really mad because you see, I, I blocked it out. I, like it didn't even penetrate my Mimi brain. I just blocked it out. I just remembered it's it It's also, it's a bad match for Mariah because, like, yes. if we're going to cut to any sort of cartoon thing, like, frankly, I'd want a cartoon Mariah, which would only look slightly different to the one we're seeing in the rest, <laughs> of, the rest of the show. But also, like, it feels like it's got to be a fabulous cartoon. Like, it feels like basically the evil stepmother from Snow White is really the only animated character that could, or maybe Maleficent, that could stack up to what we're seeing for the rest of it. But No, Jessica Rabbit. Oh, Jessica Rabbit. That's true. I'll imagine if she duetted with Jessica Rabbit. Mm. But I do feel like the Peanuts is just too sort of run-of-the-mill looking basic. It just it just was not a good match. So you can skip past that bit, but trust me, everything else is unmissable. Oh, I just need to just – oh, God, it was so good. It was so fucking good. It was just everything I wanted. It ticked all my boxes. I just 
God, well done, Mariah. And even her kids, her kids were around her being like delightful and she just fucking ignored them and hit her notes and kept looking hot. At no point did she engage with her children like when she was performing right at the very end, all I want for Christmas is you. She did not care for them. She didn't even care for herself. The young version of herself got ignored. She was ignoring herself. And in a weird way, and Mariah was mothering herself because Mariah would talk to young Mimi and encourage her and like be really kind and motherly. And it's like this whole weird, yeah, Mariah Carey probably could give birth to herself and mother herself like that. And I respect that. That's the heights that Barbara Streisand, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware, and you are, but our listeners might not be aware, Barbara Streisand once performed a duet with herself on screen, a younger version of herself, and then had a small child actress come out and they all sang together on stage. Well, it's the only duet partner that's worthy of Barbara is Barbara. I mean, she can't, she can't get better. <laughs> oh God! So obviously, Mariah Carey's Christmas special. There is some sort of story that's playing out. I mean, nah. and, and they constantly talk about <laughs> she's putting on some sort of Christmas concert. But the weird thing is, it's completely unclear when you're watching it. Are we in the concert now? Like every every two minutes, there's a more elaborate production number, and then eventually, <laughs> somehow, there's the actual sort of concert that they do. <laughs> Just. My favourite outfit was the wedding gown that turned into the mermaid frock. That was phenomenal. My favourite hairstyle was the one where she was found in the snow and I I don't even know how to describe it. It's beyond description. She sort of looked like one of the cats from Cats in some ways. (laughs) That's the delicateer hair. That's the delicateer hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we'll move on from Mariah, but honestly, you, you will not regret it. You will not regret it in a million years. Please watch it. And if you want any kind of visual uh, (laughs) confirmation that at the end of the day more is more, then just watch that. Yes. I obviously am a card-carrying maximalist and I just, I felt satisfied. I felt full. I felt seen. Christmas is back. Thank you, Mariah. Okay, moving on to another show, another queen that I'm obsessed with, obviously, The Crown, the Netflix documentary the Crown. Mm-hmm. and uh, Well, documentary. <laughs> I think you've just stumbled right into the core issue here. I did this deep dive into the effect that The Crown is having on The Crown and it's extremely negative because we've come out of kind of romantic sweeping, you know, mid-century crown. Which was very positive for them. Yeah. Like overall it was just making everyone love a bit of Lizzie and have more respect for it. Yeah. But now we're in hot mess crown territory. And it seems that the public are having problems discerning truth from fiction because this show, and the writer has said multiple times, is based on fact, but they've taken some creative license. Specifically, Camilla and Charles have been copying it. So obviously, we all know the story now. And if you've watched the documentary, The Crown, you know the story. Um, Camilla and Charles were in love first, and then he got together with Di, and then you know, some sort of affair, be it physical or spiritual. And then they ended up together after Di tragically died. And Charles and Di had already obviously split before then. But Camilla has always been very much painted as the villain, the third in the marriage, the, the, the bad lady. And then when they did get married quietly in 2005, they've gone about kind of rebuilding the goodwill, the good PR, you know, and people accepted them up until – Season four of The Crown premiered this year. And I would say there was quite a successful narrative of, well, he always wanted to be with her. And in many ways, the, the season prior of The Crown confirmed that. We mm. saw, oh, shit, he really wanted to be together with her and they intervened. Mm. And so up until now, 
actually the crown was sort of making you invest a bit harder in Charles and Camilla, or at least me. And yeah. I was one of those people that was like, oh, look, you know, he, he always loved her and, it, and I'm happy for them that they've found each other and that they get to be together and one day she'll be queen. A bit strange. Mm. Oh, well, no, she won't be queen. No, will, she? will she? She won't. No, she's princess consort if he becomes king. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah, no, she doesn't get that at all. So that, and they, they knew that they couldn't give that to her. But since this has come out, season four, focusing on the two of them, they've had to shut the comments down on a lot of the social media accounts because people are just trolling Camilla about die, writing the most awful things. You'll never be her. She'll always be our princess. You're horrible. It's just saying all the worst things. Because they're watching The Crown and thinking, you know, this is what happened. And Camilla and Charles are competing against a woman who's frozen in time at her most glamorous and most interesting, this beautiful woman who was beloved, died tragically. And so she's like, they cannot win in this whole scenario. And they're just saying that this, this show has completely undone all the work that they did to build up the goodwill. So Netflix has been approached and they said, can you please put a disclaimer before each episode saying, this is not fact. Events have been altered, blah, blah, blah. And Netflix have come out and said, nope, sorry, no dice. Our viewers can discern truth from fiction. That seems that mm-hmm. not the case. Isn't that amazing? Netflix are refusing. Yeah. Although, I mean, one thing that I would say is that, yes, The Crown does <laughs> go sometimes astonishingly heavily into very private moments that clearly they would have no idea about and and it's all fictionalised. But the core of what's making people sort of retaliate against Charles and Camilla, I mean, the basic facts of it are not in dispute. I mean, Die really was a virginal 19-year-old who mm. barely knew her husband, who was plucked out of nowhere and 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 who was not well-trained or well-supported and who had some very clear mental and physical health problems. All of that is true. And it is true that he was cheating on her with Camilla the entire time. Like, that's the core of why people are angry. And that's not I mean, The Crown makes you engage with it again, but it's not like The Crown made that up. No, but I think the way in which they portray the conversations, which they have made up, and yeah. the, and Charles coming across as basically a sociopath. Yes, he seems very, not at all attuned to the suffering of his mm. wife at all. And no one knows that stuff. I feel like it happened. People felt very badly for Di and, and thought very badly of Camilla and I feel like they were punished for that and they lived through it and it was awful what happened but then they were given a second chance at happiness. They got together, they've, you know, they've, they've not really troubled anyone. They've been pretty low-key and I feel like they're having to relive that traumatic, awful time again, a time that they've already atoned for. It's kind of like murdering someone, doing your jail time, getting out and then being sent back to jail even though you didn't murder another person. Do you know what I mean? Do you get what I mean? Totally. It feels like they're being punished again when they've already done their, their horrible time. And, and, and I'm not diminishing her suffering because, you know, I love Di. I'm a my massive fan. And I, I think know, you've happened, got a plate. Yeah, I think what happened to her was awful. But I do feel for Camilla and Charles because I think that they atoned and I think that they did their time and I think they suffered long and hard. And I feel like this has just picked the scab off the wound again. Don't you? Well, I think it's as well documented on this podcast. I struggle to feel huge waves of sympathy for the <laughs> royal family. And I am very torn because there's part of me here, obviously, I'm a screen storyteller. I have my own bar from where, for where I think it's acceptable to fictionalise. And I would say at times the crown really pushes it, takes some pretty, you know, generous choices 
and more generous in terms of it gives itself a little yeah. leeway in a way mm. that I must admit at times I do find troubling and I found it a bit more troubling the closer it gets to living memory. I mean, obviously it's all living memory because, but, but now for the, you know, all of society, we all remember how this played out. So on, on that level, I'm concerned, but on another level, I'm also a rabid Republican. Australian Republican. <laughs> and I can see that this is absolutely shit for the Monarchus cause because when Charles becomes king, if someone wants to have a bit of another push, I know a lot of people out there that sort of say, oh, ultimately it'd be good to become a republic, but we're not going to do it until Queen Elizabeth dies. And I, I, I think after all of this, um, people's desire to have Charles be our head of state. I mean, there is a genuine consensus that Queen Elizabeth is this sort of stable, reliable, well-intentioned woman. And I feel like people are pretty conflicted about Charles. So I don't know. I've got my storytelling values and my Republican values and I'm being torn apart. Oh, my God. But my question is, what's the timeline for the fifth and final season? Are they going to? Does die die? Firstly, originally they said fifth and final. Now they've said fifth and sixth. What? Yes. He went, they started writing the fifth (gasps) and then he said, actually, I'm going to revise what I said earlier. We've got enough material. Now we're doing two more. But so he has confirmed that, but he has not confirmed what the sixth season. Are you saying we could see Markle? He hasn't confirmed. My instinct is no. I don't think we will. I think think that they're probably just going to look at the uh, fifth season as being essentially the nineties, but well, I think they take us to the end of Tony Blair. I reckon it'll definitely yes. go to Tony Blair. Cause obviously, right. obviously they'll have princess Diana's death and he was such a key figure in the reaction to that. Oh my God. Can you imagine the fever pitch around that episode? Princess Di dying. Oh my God. Camilla and Charles needs to go into a bunker. Well, it's a bit, and also it's a bit of a strange one because the same writer has already made a whole movie about that, the queen, which was great. Mm. And so what's he going to do? Is he going to, Restep that whole thing and do it differently. I mean, I guess he's got a lot more perspectives to play with. God, oh my God, I could talk about this all day, but we can't. Um, we need to talk about Rudy Giuliani has COVID. <laughs> this is just nothing. Honestly, nothing surprises me anymore. I can't read a headline and go what. I just read it and go, oh yeah, that makes sense. So Giuliani's in hospital and he has COVID, and he sat through that whole Michigan um, House no mask. He asked the person speaking to take their mask off so people could hear her. So we don't know who else he's infected. And he's in hospital now and he's tweeted that he's recovering well. I also want it noted that Donald Trump called it the China virus in his tweet. I know. We have waged a fierce battle against the invisible enemy, the China virus. What the fuck? Mate, it's just not going to catch on. It's just really not. It's just so sad now when he keeps bringing that up. So what's your, like... Do you think he has it, first of all? Well, as you know, I'm prone to just believing believing things and yeah. not thinking things are a conspiracy. Well, I mean, at this point, infection rates are so intense yeah. in America and he is a very public person. He's putting himself out there all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I think, he, yeah. I think there's a very good chance that he has it. Also, I can't see any way that this plays well for them. So mm. it feels like they've got out in front of it and got it out there. 
you know, to stop it being an expose. So, yeah, I think he has it. I mean, I think it caps off the, one of the most incredible runs of a public figure. If you look at just one month in the oh, life can you of do it? Fi- can you do the hot, the hot take highlights of Rudy Giuliani over the last six I'm weeks? I'm going to miss some, I'm sure, but nah, the hot take right. highlights. I mean, yeah. we've, we've, we've discussed them all extensively on this podcast, yeah. but yeah. it seems like only yesterday, firstly, Borat, he shoved his hand down his pants, <laughs> <laughs> claims that he was getting rid of his microphone, it looked like he was preparing to seduce an underage, who he thought was an underage girl in the Borat Mm. movie. Mm. There was that. Then, Mm. of course, Trump lost the election and he immediately started with the conspiracy theory saying there was extensive fraud and then organised the press conference (laughs) at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping. I mean, Mm -hmm. already those two things, he will live in (laughs) infamy forever, those two things. But he was just getting started. Mm -hmm. And then he persisted with all his claims of fraud. Then he had the press conference where he was wearing the hair dye (laughs) and the hair dye streaked down his face and all these black streaks. And then it went to the hearings during which, A, he audibly farted. They didn't bother to interview a single witness. The whole time. I mean, the highlight of my television career was presenting a five-minute package on Giuliani farting throughout a hearing. It's just astonishing stuff. And then, of course, introduced the world world to that incredibly (laughs) drunk woman who gave her intoxicated testimony. I know what I saw. And I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Did you? So all of that has happened in the space of a month and crescendoing in now he's got COVID. (laughs) The Giuliani shit show. And Danny DeVito has to play him. Like there's no one else, is there? Oh, Oh. I would say Danny, yeah, definitely. No, maybe old mate, my cousin Vinny, what's his name? Joe Pesci. Pesci, Pesci. I mean, just as a testament to how intense this month has been, his own daughter came out against him and <laughs> talked about essentially how he was a sociopath and how he'd sold his soul. That barely raised a headline because everything else was so bad shit. <laughs> like when your own daughter comes out against you and, and claims that you have all sorts of psychological and ethical problems and no one really pays much attention because you've everything else you've been doing. Well, it's also so manifestly clear. We didn't need the daughter con- to confirm that. No, no. I mean, a, a time of recording... Uh, all reports say that he's fine and making a recovery because he's got access to or whatever stuff they gave Trump, I guess. But, look, you know, who knows what could happen. He's 76. He's high risk. He's unhealthy. Um, he had prostate cancer. Like, he's he's not got a great immune system as it is. So anything could happen. But, I mean, you know, if he was to really take a turn for the worst, it, it would just, my God, I mean, what a year. What a crazy and it's still not the end. It's still more things are to come. I don't know what. Oh, I know. It's just such an agonizingly long time. And I think, what is it, January 20 when yeah. there's the inauguration? That just yeah. feels like so long away. And all of a sudden, over the last few days, um, I keep Ivana. Ivana's his daughter, isn't it? Ivanka. Ivanka. I keep saying Ivana's her mum. Yeah. Okay. Ivanka has gone completely make America great again. She's she's gone from being slightly kind of gentle to full-blown, I don't know what's going on. It's almost like she's trying to position herself. Well, she's trying to adopt his fan base and get his supporters to back her so that she can mount a run at some point. Oh, my God. It's so terrifying. Um, what's not terrifying, though, is Harry Styles with a banana. Uh, I love I it. Just- this episode has just essentially become checking in with all our favourite characters. <laughs> they just keep delivering. <laughs> 
But I have to say, no one has delivered harder for me than that just came out wrong. I just want to back up that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> no one's delivered in a more fulsome. No, that's bad too. Wait a minute. No one is pleased. No. No single reappearance of one of our faves has delighted me quite as much, even that sounds dodgy, but as Harry Styles. Excellent. I received the words first because the message took for a while and it just had I, full stop, have, full stop, died, full stop. Mm. And then a picture appeared. You describe it. You describe it. It's your thing. Well, uh, I saw it on Twitter first and, and, and the caption to this was bring back manly men, which is, of course, as well documented on this podcast, <laughs> was the uh, conservative critique of Harry Styles and his cover shoot in all of, uh, in, in traditionally female fashion. And Candace Owens, the very conservative commentator, had done a whole diatribe about how, you know, he was threatening masculinity and how it was the death of society and had said bring back manly men. So he quoted that, bring back manly men. And then the picture was <laughs> Harry in mm-hmm. this sort of spectacularly ruffled, gender-bending outfit a powder blue single-breasted suit cinched at the waist, flaring out at the hip with a, a, a very puffy sleeve poking out from the cuff. Yeah. And your favourite part, Michael Lucas, with the crucifix. I want it noted he's got a gold crucifix amidst his sparsely delicious chest hair. And yes. Your, yeah, and your favourite part is? He was nonchalantly mm-hmm. holding a half-peeled <laughs> banana and mm. had and and it was sort of lazily positioned in his mouth <laughs> uh, in a way that unmistakably mm-hmm. evoked a blowjob <laughs> and i have to say again again I, yeah. I i think to myself could i pull off the nonchalant look as i had a banana <laughs> hanging from my mouth probably not but he's done it really really well I think it's the ultimate test of cool. If you can have a banana in your mouth and just sort of somehow gaze out in this incredibly cool, nonchalant way, you've hit a pinnacle of cool, I couldn't believe. But the whole, everything about it I loved. I mean, what a response. What a response. Do you have a banana at your house? Because I'm... (laughs) I don't. Well, you need to, before now and when this podcast comes out, you have to go buy a banana and I want you to take a photo of yourself oh my eating God. the banana, recreating, and we'll let the M Salation listeners decide if you can. We'll do it side by side and we'll see. Oh, man. I've, I know how this goes for me. It's the banana challenge. It's the Harry Styles banana challenge with a participant of one, Michael oh, Lucas. I, and I, I really cannot deliver a sexy look. <laughs> I, I can't do it. And there have been times. Yes, I've you like, can. I've admitted, you can. admitted this to professional actors at times. And there was infamously one time at a rap party where I said, I just, I just can't deliver it. And so I was challenged and someone was sitting there snapping pictures. And it was me next to the professional actor, Roy Joseph, trying to do a smouldering sexy look. And honestly, it looked like I was, at firstly, it looked like, I'd had some sort of stroke that that, that had affected no. half my face. It was terrible. I'm terrible at it. No, I've seen you can do it. You can, but it's not like, okay, it's not, <laughs> your smouldering look isn't like, oh, my God, my undies have just melted of their own accord. Your smouldering look is like I can see directly into your soul and pinpoint the things that you desire when you are feeling tired and emotional. Like, oh. And that is just as sexy as undie melting, honestly. So don't underestimate the intellectual smoulder 
as opposed to the raw animal magnetism smolder. I mean, it's a thing and it's an important thing. Sorry. Okay. I'll also post that photo that I'm thinking of. There's the one where you're kind of looking off from a balcony. You know that shot of you? Oh, I'll find it. Th- there was one that you thought, yes, I do remember that you one. And I don't shot. know how that happened. I don't, but yeah, they you did take good. about 800 shots that day and I did manage to make, at one point my face was arranged in a way where yeah. I didn't look like I'd had some sort of medical event happen to me. So <laughs> that was good. But still, mm. I doubt I could rock a banana the way that he does. You're going to do it for us. You're going to do that. But, yeah, no, well done. What a response, Harry. What a response. Well done. Bravo. All right, well, Mariah, check. Rudy, check. The Queen, check. Harry, check. I mean, there's Just no our favourite characters. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to do right. – we've got to do some sort of, like, year-end – Yeah, we will next week. – tribute to – yeah, the, we'll the, the icons that made this yeah. year. Yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely, definitely. We've got, i got to think about that. I'm a bit tired now. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm off to buy a banana. Go buy a banana. All right, talk later. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, that's it. We are done. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to us. It's our second last week. We've got one more week of Emsolation. And uh, we're going to be having a break over the holidays. You guys are right with that. You know, we haven't missed a week since the pandemic started. We've been here for you. So uh, we're going to be having some time off and there's going to be some changes. I can't tell you yet, which I hate it when someone puts on Facebook, oh, my God, I've got some exciting news, but I can't tell you. I've just become that person that we all hate. But there are things for us to talk about. We need to have some serious conversations. That'll be taking place soon. Emsolation will be back next year. I would say around mm, first week of Feb. I'm going to have January off because I need it. As we discussed last week, I'm tired in my soul. All right, well, uh, have a wonderful day. Whatever you're doing, do something nice for yourself. Maybe this was it. Maybe allowing yourself time to listen to Michael and I was it. And that is an excellent way to spend quality time with yourself. All right, lovely. We'll talk to you later in the week. 